0: and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message.
1: Hallelujah. What a joy to be in the house of the Lord Church. Greetings to all of you in the sweet and matchless name of our Lord and Savior. It is indeed our honor and privilege to be in God's house, and we take this time to welcome each one of you. Hallelujah. If you're joining us for the very first time, it is our prayer that may the Holy Spirit continue to Bless you. May the Holy Spirit continue to inspire you, even as you worship with us this morning. The beginning of this week, uh, the past week, was indeed sad. A dear brother, a dear friend of ours for many years, a dear friend for many in our church, has been a very regular feature in all the North American Church of God family conferences. But the David Kurula, but the Lalu, was battling COVID, went to be with the Lord on Monday morning. Today and tomorrow is a funeral service taking place in Houston. Several families have already gone and many of others are planning to go this afternoon. Continue to pray for the bereaving families. Um, I was just thinking the grim numbers uh, the past week. 900,000 people in this nation for the last two years. Think about it. India crossed 500,000. World over 5.7 million people. Only a reminder to all of us, you know, that we don't take for granted the very the very life that God has given us, the opportunity that God has given us to come in His presence, to worship Him, to magnify Him. Amen. Hallelujah. Last twenty-one days uh, was indeed glorious time in the presence of God, and especially the last weekend was such an such an amazing time in the presence of God. Pastor Felix. Uh, Last Sunday, kind of led us in going deeper in worship, going deeper in prayer, and so many things he led us. He led us uh, in, in, in allowing us to know that we need to move away from that asking phase, which is probably still at the shallow waters, but into that phase where you're seeking the face of God. Going more deeper in seeking the face of God, in knocking at the door, in knocking at the door. The other day we were talking uh, to Praveen uh, Philip. Praveen, is he here? Yeah. Uh, Philip, uh, we were talking to him, and uh, he was also saying something similar. He says, "Pastor, sometimes you know we have this tendency to be at the at the altar for too long, where God wants you and me to, to not just stay at the altar alone, but He wants us to move from the altar to the holy place, and from the holy place to the holy of holies. But oftentimes we are just." Quite satisfied at the altar itself, and we we're saying how the Holy Spirit, you know, was continuing to remind us that yes, there is more amazing and beautiful things in store for us as you and I plan to more, go go more deeper, go more deeper in the Lord. This month, uh, we have selected the book of Colossians uh, that we will be churning through. Alive in Christ is the theme, the overall theme for this month, as. Pauline epistles, Paul builds a theology, rich in theology, the first several chapters, then he goes into practical Christianity. That's Paul's uh, uh, overall overarching theme throughout all his epistles that he writes. You take the book of Romans, chapter 1 to uh, 11, he builds rich theology, and verse chapter 12 onwards, he says, now, therefore, what shall we do? Because we have this gospel, let's live for the gospel. Take the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, 2, and 3. He expounds the gospel. 4, 5, 6, he says, now let's leave for the gospel. Colossians also, chapter 1 and 2, beautifully, he portrays what the gospel is all about. Chapter 3 and 4, practical Christianity. Oftentimes, we tend to think that gospel is only meant for those outside. No church. Gospel is not just meant for those outside of the church. Gospel is for us, for our daily living. We just don't do away with the gospel one day when we lifted up our hands and we accepted the Lord as a personal savior. No, we don't, we don't. that is not the end of the gospel. That is just the beginning of the gospel. Then you and I continue to live this gospel every single day in the presence of God. And Paul here also is beautifully portrays the gospel and he continues to build what it means to live for the gospel. Live for the gospel today morning the theme that I've taken is from Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 to 14 where it is a beautiful prayer of Paul a kingdom prayer look what a kingdom prayer looks like what a gospel prayer looks like again coming back to all the Pauline prayers if you go to Ephesians if you go to Philippians Thessalonians Paul's prayer is not just asking for the ordinary stuff not the mundane stuff of this world his prayers are always deep his prayers are always rich because he, he's not just waiting to get the things of this world. His prayers are always, Lord, I pray that you will enlighten their hearts, their inner eyes may be enlightened, O oh God, so that they may know and understand the power that is available for those who believe in you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that they may be steeped in your love. They may understand the depth of your love, the height of your love, the width of your love. These are Pauline prayers. And here, chapter 1, verse 9 to 14 also, we have a beautiful prayer. But before I go there, um, Because this is the first week. Let me just build a background, a context to the whole uh, book. The church at Colossae. Now, most of the epistles that Paul wrote were written to churches that he established during his missionary journey. But the church at Colossae was not a church that Paul established. In fact, he never had the opportunity to go to Colossae. He even never never had the opportunity to go to Laodicea. If you read Colossians chapter 2, verse 1, he says that you and the church at Laodicea are the two people whom I never met face to face. So this is the places that Paul never went. But if you read Acts chapter 19, it gives you historical context that Paul, for nearly three years, he ministered in Ephesus. He ministered in Ephesus. And if you read Acts chapter 19, verse 10, he says, during the two years, Paul had the opportunity to share the gospel throughout Asia. And in all likelihood, in all likelihood, Ephaphras, a man from Colossae. Colossae is a city that is about 100 miles east of Ephesus in the Lycus Valley. Ephaphras came to Ephesus and he heard the gospel, got converted. He went back to Colossae and he established the church that we find as a Colossian church. And later on, when Paul was imprisoned, he came and he shared with Paul about the well being of the church. And Paul writes this letter and sends it through Tychicus. When Paul's letter, as always, Paul always builds up the church first. He talk, always talks about good about the church first. Here also in the first few, uh, verse three onwards, when you read, he says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. And he, he lists, you know, when we think about your faith, when we think about your love, when we think about your hope, we have all the reasons to give thanks to God. Because we have knowing that you, you are increasing in these things. Now we may tend to think, wait a minute Paul, if the church is already growing in love, If the church is already growing in faith, if the church is already growing in hope, what more do they need? We may tend to think, that church doesn't need anything more. But look at what Paul's prayer will will come to that. So, this church, when you read uh, this church and how Paul writes this verse, chapter verse 1, verse 21 and 27. You get a clear understanding of this Colossi, the, the Colossian church that it is predominantly a church filled with Gentile believers. They could have been perhaps Jewish believers as well, but it was predominantly a Gentile believers. So when Paul heard about their faith, hope, and love, he, has, he gives thanks to God. But why does he write this letter to the church? Of course, he writes to encourage them to continue to grow in faith, love, and hope. But there has also been a heresy, a false teaching, which the New Testament scholarship has called the Colossian heresy. And New Testament scholarship, even today, is wrestling with it. What might this look like? What might this look like? If you read this epistle, you get the understanding because this is one of those epistles of Paul in which he builds a high Christology very high thoughts about Jesus Christ. So we can definitely think that there was a teaching that was going around in the church that perhaps, perhaps, Jesus was not adequate enough. Perhaps, perhaps, Jesus was not supreme enough. Perhaps, Jesus was not sufficient enough. And Paul builds up this rich theology of Christ by saying, no, no. Colossian believers, you need to understand that this Jesus in whom you believe, he is supreme. Chapter 1 verse 15 onwards when you read, he embarks on a beautiful portrayal of who this Jesus is. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. He created everything that is in heaven and on earth, both visible and invisible. All authorities and dominion and power, principalities, everything has been created by him. He is before all things. He is the head of the body, which is the church. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from dead. In him dwells the fullness of God in a bodily form. In other words, this Jesus, not only in his deity, but in his humanity, he is supreme. He is supreme. Part of the reason, as I said, most of the believers at Colossians had come from Gentile background. In the pagan world, there's a lot of elemental spirits out there. Elemental spirits that were connected to stars, the planets, astrology was pretty high. And they had demons and gods for everything. Whether it be river, whether it be a lake, or whether it be stars, whether it be trees, under every nook and corner, they had a demon, they had a god, a demi-god, or some kind of a, a supreme power they attributed to. And they always felt that they had somehow, they are connected to our life. Somehow they they overpower our life. In the middle of that, Paul makes this humongous assertion. Can I tell you church, there is no great power that is greater than the power of Jesus Christ. We sang the song early on, isn't it? Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, there is victory. Hallelujah. We push back the darkness in the name of Jesus. And that's exactly what Paul does. Paul does. Chapter 1, verse 16, and chapter 2, verse 10, when you think about it, Paul talks about demonic powers, demonic powers. 2, verse 15 is beautifully, Paul portrays something like this. He disarmed, who disarmed? Jesus disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Wow. Colossian believers, you tend to think that there may be an elemental spirit somewhere, hallelujah, and you think that you have no power over it. But can I tell you that this Jesus in whom you serve, this Jesus whom you have known, he has put to open shame on the cross every powers of darkness. Hallelujah. hallelujah. You know, we may tend to think that, yeah, we understand the power and the supremacy of Christ, but sometimes we are also sometimes caught in, you know, those, those, those moments uh, let me share an example. When my brother was getting married, um, I'm kind of like, like pretty punctual when it comes to timing, you know. Um, so all, oftentimes, you know, this is always the refrain in Kerala. The Pentecostal weddings are pretty long. Now they have like kind of reduced it, uh, but it was three hours, four hours long weddings because there will be at least three sermons: one from the girl's side, one from the boy's side, then the pastor who conducts the ceremony. He will have a, another message. Uh, and then the, the other com- always complained was that they always start late. So I made it a point when my brother's wedding was taking place, I, you know, 11 o'clock was a wedding, and the, and the auditorium was just like three kilometers away from our house. And I told my brother, we need to be there by 10.30. I don't care who comes or not, but we should be there by 10.30. So we had our local pastor, he came, he prayed, and we we're ready to go. But there is this opportunity in our church, he would not let my brother go. He, he's just, you no, know, wait. He would not allow The car is ready, everything is ready, and we want to go. But he will not allow. So he kind of delayed. So my brother reached only there by 11.30. I was very upset. So later on, when I spoke to my mom, she said, yeah, you know, Apachani is a believer. He's been like a long-standing believer, but you know, he believes in all kinds of auspicious times and everything. Wow. All his children's wedding, he will never step out of the house until the auspicious time has come. Hmm. Now, who is supreme here? Is Jesus supreme here? Or is the auspicious time supreme here? The Abhijan is resting in the Lord right now. but I'm just saying is this. Sometimes, you know, we tend to think that we, we sometimes put these elemental spirits, things that we may have grown up, and he was not from a pagan background. He was from a, you can call a so-called Christian background. But for him also, that auspicious time was very important. Why? Because you're living in a culture where you're so many you know, you're your friends with Hindus and Muslims, everyone living in your, on all, all of them have some auspicious times you cannot do, you cannot leave. Hindus is like 10 or 15 minutes of a time in a, in a day, which is considered the auspicious time. All the weddings have to take place right there, otherwise it is not considered to be a, a beautiful wedding or a blessed wedding. I begin to think that sometimes, you know, we claim, we proclaim that we believe in the supremacy of Jesus Christ, yet we sometimes follow these elemental spirits of this world. Church, this is where Paul is exactly trying to tell the Colossians believer, you may, you may have been become believers a long time back, but you are still thinking about these elemental spirits that has control over you. You still believe in auspicious times. Chapter 2, I don't have the time to go into chapter 2. He thinks about you have you know seasons, you have set aside some times and dates and angels and all those things. Once you have received the revelation of Jesus Christ, he super, super, his, his revelation supersedes everything else. Amen? This morning church, if you and I follow Jesus Christ and if, if Christ is the Lord of your life and my life, then he stands supreme over everything else. There is no power of darkness in this world that can ever come equal to Jesus Christ. And you and I need to know this. Hallelujah. So Paul writes to the church at Colossians because he knows that they have been taken over. Some kind of false teachings and he wants to nip it in the bud right there. And he wants to say that you need to understand who this Jesus Christ is in whom you have. But he was thinking in terms of probably he was in Ephesus or in some part of Asia. Because you read Second corinthians chapter 1 paul reminds the church that we were in great dire strife in asia the the, the kind of hardships that we faced we even went through imprisonment in first corinthians chapter 15 paul says we fought the beast at Ephesus. so if you take all those cumulative evidences there have been many other imprisonments paul might have had And in one of those imprisonments, he wrote this letter uh, to to Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. Every time you read Colossians, you must also read it along with Philemon, because this goes to the same church and people in the same church at Colossae. The other beauty of this letter is this. Paul says towards the end, chapter 4, he says, I have already sent another letter to Laodicea, and you make sure that once this letter has been read to you all, you get the letter from Laodicea, and you read that letter also. In other words, this is a circular letter going from to the church at Colossae, but it's also a letter written for the church at Laodicea, and he has written another letter to Laodicea, which we don't know where the letter is. It may be a lost letter, but you read that also. In other words, this is what Paul is saying. Church, these letters that I have be sent to you are not just to make you personally super strong in the Lord, but as a community, you must be super strong in the Lord. The collective responsibility of the church comes here. This letter must be read in public so that the body of Christ may be strengthened together. You and I can read Colossians, Philippians, Philemon, and we can be encouraged in our spiritual walk with the Lord. But together when we read it, we understand it, the body of Christ, the body of Christ, and that goes for all the letters that we find in the New Testament. So with that background said, let's come back to, to the text that we're going to read. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 to 14. Let me read that for all of us. If you have, or your Bibles are open, say amen. Paul says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Very loaded words. Knowledge, spiritual wisdom, understanding. To so us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Father God, we thank you for the scripture passages. Church, in this scripture, there are at least four things that Paul prays for this church, four things that he prays for the church. Number one, he prays that the church may grow in knowledge. May grow in knowledge, knowledge of God's will, knowledge of God himself. Number two, he prays that the church may grow in holiness. Verse 10, knowing what pleases the Lord and bearing fruit in all good works, growing in holiness. Number three, he prays that the church may grow in spiritual power, spiritual power. How will the spiritual power be known in your life? It will be known through your endurance, patience and joy. You may be strengthened with his power. The same power that rested on the 120 on the upper room may may, may rest upon you. Finally, he says that they may grow in thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Thankful to God. Thankful to God. Three things Paul mentions there. That in itself is a message. Thankful to God. Three things he says. Number one, why is thankful to God? He has qualified us. Number two, he has rescued us. Number three, he has redeemed us. He has qualified us. He has rescued us. He has redeemed us. Amen. What is Paul saying? Growing in knowledge. Growing in knowledge. This is a kingdom prayer. This is a gospel prayer. Paul prays church. From the day that we have heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. What is Paul's confidence in this prayer? That the he who began a good work in them will bring it to completion. I will pravarti aramichavan he has a confidence that surely God will bring this to happen he will bring this to happen growing in his knowledge the knowledge of his will the knowledge of his will we all pray for divine will isn't it whom shall I marry which church shall I go to where shall I live What job shall i take which which college shall my son and my daughter go no doubt no 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 problem with those prayers to be prayed to be in god's will and then we will also sometimes say even though we have some desire we'll say may his will be done also his will be done what is paul's prayer for this church He's saying, Colossian believers, we are praying that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Understanding. When false teachers are talking about a knowledge outside of Christ, Paul is saying that the believers should have a complete knowledge of God Himself and His divine will for their life. Divine will for their life. So that they are not just informed, but they are truly informed transformed you know that's how Jesus prayed at the garden of Gethsemane don't you think that he knew what father's will was he said father I know that you are powerful and this cup before me is too difficult for me to drink yet not my will but let your will be done you will be done. Because every time you read in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the will of God has always to do just not knowing it, but doing it. In Psalm 143, the psalmist says, Lord, teach me to know your will so that I may do your will. I may do your will. In Psalm 14, the psalmist says, "Hallelujah! here I come to do your will. A prophetic utterance for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah knowing all that God has in store for us knowing God himself just that it that that is what it means to go a little more deeper you know not just not just confined to the prayer that Lord I seek your hand no but I seek your face because there is so much to be known so much to be known and I've said this here many times even in all of eternity we will never exhaust knowing God we will never exhaust knowing God because if God will be known by us then God and us we are the same on the same page isn't it in all of... we will still be knowing God we will never exhaust knowing God and Paul is saying but we can have a foretaste of that right now here I pray that you may have a revelation of his divine will in all spiritual understanding in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The backdrop is not the Greek thoughts, but the backdrop is the Jewish or the Old Testament understanding. Because wherever in the Old Testament you think about God has given us wisdom and understanding, it has always been, you read the book of Exodus chapter 31 verse 3, 35 verse 31, Deuteronomy 34, 9, all these passages kind of like captures what it means. And God gave him the spirit of wisdom and understanding. So that they can do all these things related to the tabernacle. For all God's wisdom and understanding. We need to be growing up church in these days. Hallelujah. Awakening to our intellectual powers. And ability to think coherently and practically about God and his purposes for his people. Could we we be praying Lord. I may understand. I may get more and more knowledge of your will O God. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? Why should I get this? The second thing Paul prays for them is that so that we may walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. In other words, I must know his will so that I may grow in more more in holiness. Deiva hidamarine and I don't want to know God's will just so that I can be satisfied I can keep my status quo and I may be prosperous in my life no but I want to live a holy life a holy life what does that mean I want to live a life that is pleasing to my God pleasing to my God hallelujah Christian conduct is an essential aspect of a being gospel or kingdom driven why Because it is to live in a manner worthy of the Lord. How many times Paul has mentioned this again and again? In Philippians 1.27, he says, walk worthily of the Lord. In Ephesians 4.1, he says, walk worthily of your calling. In Romans 6.4, he says, walking in the newness of life. Once you've been baptized, you're walking in the newness of life. In Romans 8.4, he says, walking according to the Spirit. In Galatians 6, he reminds us that if we walk according to the spirit, we will not we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. How can we walk worthy of the Lord? We need to know what places the Lord. the the Hallelujah. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, Paul says, This is our desire, and we make it our aim. Whether we are in body or out of body, we always want, our desire is to please him and him alone. Church, what would it look like if the body of Christ starts praying, Lord, we want to please you and you alone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thirdly, Paul prays that they may grow in spiritual power. Verse 11 verse 10 itself is, uh, you can still uh, expound that, you know, bearing fruit in every good work, bearing fruit every child of God, every child of God is called to bear fruits. You remember a few months back, we we were going through the series of the parables and we said, you know, God expected, when he brought the wine from Egypt, he planted it, what was he expecting? He was expecting good fruits, but what did it bear? Bad fruit. Bad fruit. You and I don't need to do works to receive salvation. But once you have been saved, God is expecting that you and I would definitely do good works. And the good work starts where, you know, they always say charity begins at home. It always begins when we come together. It always begins from church, from the body of Christ, starting good works. Paul reminds us again in Galatians and all, start doing good to those in the household of God. Household of God. Amen praying for spiritual power, grow in spiritual power, verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. And how will you know that you, have been, you are really growing in spiritual power? When people see your endurance, people see your patience, and people see your joy. I am spiritual. I have spiritual power. It is not how loud I pray. It is not how much of Holy Spirit I am filled with and how many, how many tongues can I speak. But my spiritual power will be exhibited in my endurance. It will be exhibited in my patience. It will be exhibited in a life that is qualified by joy. Hmm. Wow. I was thinking about that. Lord, we oftentimes pray for spiritual power. Spiritual power so that we can pray more more powerfully. But when I started looking at this passage again and again, my spiritual power that the Holy Spirit gives me, should show and exhibit in my life that I have strong endurance. Strong endurance. So no matter what comes, I may be going through a wintry storm right now. I may be weathering a dark, deep darkness right now. I may be in the middle of a storm, but I will stay strong in the Lord and people will know that I've been endowed with the power on from high. My patience in the middle of my afflictions will reveal to people that I have the spiritual power the joy that is reflected on my face will reveal to people that i have spiritual power church that's kingdom prayer that's prayer of the gospel hallelujah finally paul prays that the church must grow in thankfulness verse 12 giving thanks to the father giving thanks to the father and three things paul says there why should we give thanks to the father why should we think give thanks to the father You know, verse 12 to 14 can be a parallel to a a new exodus. A parallel to a new exodus. Verse 12 to 14. In the old exodus, the people got delivered from Egypt. They became God's people. They were supposed to celebrate the Passover. When they came to Mount Sinai, they were supposed to worship God. To live in gratitude before God. And every time the people were reminded, remember that you were slaves. You were burdened in Egypt. And every time you come before God, have that heart of gratitude knowing from where God rescued you. From where God delivered you. In verses 12 to 14, Paul says, if that was the old exodus, believers, you have a new exodus now. You have a new exodus. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Three things he he did for us. Number one, God qualified us. God qualified us winter olympics is taking place right now isn't it 2022 athletes have been training 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 you don't go just show up on the day of olympics to say hey i want to compete for you to be part representing your country first you must go through what qualifying rounds in your nation and then there is a qualifying timeline which the olympic committee has kept that, Say, for example You talk about the summer Olympics, 100 meter dash. You must run under 12 seconds. If you're running over 12 seconds, they're not going to qualify. Nobody's going to qualify you. So each nation will put a list, a parameter and say, yes, this person is fit enough to qualify for the Olympics. Think about us, church. Think about us. Were we qualified to be called God's people? Nah, we were not qualified. That's exactly what Paul is saying. God qualified you. God called you and me fit to be representing His kingdom in this world. Not because anything that you and I did. Only His grace. Only His grace. Only His grace. Secondly, Paul says, He rescued us. He rescued us from the domain of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. God rescued the people from Egypt. And what did God do? He brought them to the promised land. Isn't it? Paul is saying, using the same imagery, he's saying, he rescued us from the domain, dominion of darkness, and he has brought us into the kingdom of his son. And he, he qualifies that by saying, he has given us what? The inheritance of the saints in the light. Wow. Inheritance of the saints. But Praise God. The Old Testament is Israel, God, the Canaan land has a promised land. But for you and me, He is giving an inheritance, undefiled, kept in heaven, always ready. Amen. That is our inheritance. Thirdly, Paul says, He has redeemed us. He has redeemed us. The, 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 the word that He used there comes from the world of a slave market. Slave market. A slave is purchased from a market, and the master brings him home and says, I redeemed you, I purchased you, you are now mine. Paul is saying, We were slaves to sin, we were slaves to death once. But through Jesus Christ, God has rescued us, He has redeemed us, and He has given us the blessing of the forgiveness of sins.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, Thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.